This is It Was a Thing on TV. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the dregs of humanity. Episode 233, submission 2312, The Pet Set. The Pet Set was a syndicated series that ran from 1971 to 1972 for a total of 39 episodes. Welcome to The Pet Set. Starring Betty White and her animal-loving and very funny friend, Artie Johnson. (laughs) Guys, about two and a half, three weeks ago, this episode was slated to be a celebration on Betty White's 100th birthday. Unfortunately, um, well, I think we all know what's happened since then, and that, that sort of threw a monkey wrench in our plans, and we even talked about doing this last week. We're thinking about doing a special episode uh, after her death, but I said, you know what? Let's still make this a 100th birthday celebration. Thank you, Betty, so much uh, for everything you've done, and thank heavens we have uh, footage and TV shows and audio and uh, all sorts of media of basically everything you've done for, or just about everything you've done for like the last 70, what, 75 years at this point, just about. 70 to 75 years. Yeah, she's, I mean, she was there at the beginning of television, literally. She, she was television, essentially, yeah. So, I mean, it's a huge loss. I really think that people didn't really appreciate her until she got to about, maybe when Golden Girls reruns got big, maybe about 15, 20 years ago. Because then, also, I think social media helped. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes, because there's no way she probably would have done, and she's even said it. I, you know, why am I here? It almost sounds like Admiral Stockdale. Who am I? Why am I here? Why am I here doing Saturday Night Live? Because you wanted me to. Because of Facebook. And if that isn't one of the best episodes of Saturday Night Live, not just in the last like ten years or fifteen years, like ever. Oh yes. I want you to show me a better one. That and was amazing. And that, and that pretty much kicked off a uh, Betty White career renaissance. Yeah, because because then she had the uh, hot in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and and she was still making appearances even like what five years ago, six years ago on To Tell the Truth. Yep, yeah, uh, season one with Anthony Anderson. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that was like her big revival, and who would have guessed? Again, 10, 15 years ago. A woman 90 years old would have a career renaissance and, and would be basically elevated to legendary status. Oh, yes. True legendary status. I mean, I think we all knew she was a legend beforehand, but it was sort of like cemented with the younger generations. Yes. And one of the shows she did, this is from back in 1971. So we're talking about uh, 50, 51 years ago at this point. Uh, it was called The Pet Set, and I don't know about you guys, my life, I've had, like, a pet every day over the last, like, 33 years. I, I had my first, well, actually, even before then, the first pet, we had a couple of birds, but once we moved into our uh, our house back in 89, we had dogs and cats, and we still had the bird, and 
I've had some sort of pet my entire life since then, minus like the first like month, month and a half I moved into my current house. So pets do mean a lot to me. And I'm sure they mean the same to you guys or something very similar. Yeah. um, I remember uh, a year or so ago when I was uh, pet sitting my brother's Pomeranian cinnamon. And she is just this lovely, lovely animal. She is just an incredible. Oh, no, that's a that's a cute name, Cinnamon. Cinnamon. She's a cute dog. Well, I've got this uh, the name Cinnamon and uh, what a Pomeranian looks like. I've got this image in my head, and it's a beautiful image because one of my cousins, his girlfriend, has a Pomeranian, so I can only imagine how beautiful that dog looks. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely beautiful dogs. Well, we're going to talk about a series uh, that was syndicated, as I said, uh, in 1971-72. Betty White and Alan Ludden, they had their own production company. And it was called, believe it or not, Al Betts Productions. Yeah, Al for Alan and Betts for Betty. Taking a look at IMDb, the only show they did that was released from Al Betts was The Pet Set. So this show, if you're coming here looking for any sort of hardcore entertainment, any sort of you know, controversy, any sort of action, you're not going to find it. This is, might be the most lighthearted series we've covered. Oh, yes. Yeah. It has a G rating on one of the myriad of streaming services that this show is available on. And I swear, if it was on actual television, it would probably be slapped with an EI in addition to the G-Rating. It it really could be slapped with an EI. We're going to go through the episodes. And uh, I actually, as I said, have the DVD set. I've taken very meticulous notes. A lot of what's covered. This is absolutely something that if today, if it had an EI rating, you could stick it on with like Jack Hanna and Jeff Corwin programs and Steve Irwin and the Irwin family programs. I could definitely see it, even though obviously when you watch this, the fashions, the hairstyles, they're from 1971. They're not from 2000 or 2010 or 2022. It's definitely dated, but it's very informational and what you have primarily, it, it's almost like a talk show and an informational animal show, pet show, like rolled into one. So you start off each segment. Betty introduces her celebrity guest of the day and generally one, maybe two, sometimes even more pets that the uh, celebrity brought with them. And after that, they generally get into talking about about the breed, about breed specifics. Uh, And then after the first segment, usually you have Ralph Helfer, who is the owner of Africa USA, which provides animals for movies and TV shows. So if you've seen any TV show from back in the 60s and 70s and it had an animal doing anything, especially a wild animal. It probably came from Ralph Helfer. And so his segment is either the second or the third act. 
generally. And sometimes he has, most of the times he actually has an animal with him. Sometimes he has video footage of the animal, uh, usually at Africa, USA, but sometimes taken at zoos, sometimes taken on safaris in location in Africa. And then later segments generally talk about dogs either related to the type of dogs that the celebrity has or the type of cats or whatever animals the celebrity has, or there's some thematic shows. We'll, we'll talk about those. There was a show where they focused on Mexican animals. There was one show where they focused on Australian animals. There was even one, and this is the way they phrased it. So don't write to me. They focused on white dogs, white fur dogs. So the, the format, like I said, is pretty consistent throughout the show. This Again, the big, big draws the celebrities, but also, honestly, the animals are interesting. Not just the animals the celebrities bring in, but also the animals that Ralph Helfer and some of his guests or some other people uh, that go on the show uh, bring along. Now, we said there's 39 episodes. We'll go through, through them quickly. The first episode had Lauren Green and two of his German shepherds, Cola and Wolfgang. Talking about German shepherds, one thing related to that is uh, obviously German shepherds are big in police forces. So they actually had a pot sniffing German shepherd police dog there talking about his training and whatnot. Uh, Ralph Hilfer, who's on every episode but one, in this episode, brought wolves, tame wolves. And the one episode where Ralph Helfer was not on, he provided the animals. Well, again, we'll talk about that later. And then later on in the show, the final segment, they compared wolves and German Shepherd, and they brought out some, aw, some cute little wolf puppies and German Shepherd puppies, such cute little doggies. So basically, the overall arching theme of that show was German Shepherds. And you'll see that as we go along. Whatever breed of dog the celebrity has, that's what breed the show primarily focused on. Or maybe not breed, but maybe a certain trait. You'll see what we're talking about. Uh, episode two, we have Mary Tyler Moore and her two poodles, Maud and Diswilliam. Diswilliam. Not that William, Diswilliam. D-I-S-W-I-L-L-I-A-M. And the first segment, I, I didn't mention this earlier, basically is talking about the celebrity and how they found their pets, what pets they have at home, in addition to these pets, because some of these stars have veritable zoos in their houses. There was some footage from some celebrities at their house with horses and, and, and wild animals. So it doesn't just get into cats and dogs but the thing is what can you really probably bring to a tv studio unless your name is ralph helfer and you train these animals to be somewhat tame or very tame at least based on what video footage there is you bring your cats and your dogs after talking to mary tyler more about her animals and specifically her two poodles uh the second topic of the show was house training older pets which is important because 
they actually had somebody who had an older pet that wasn't house trained. And it was like an eight-year-old dog. And you've heard the phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. That sort of goes with house trained too. It's kind of difficult to house train such an older animal. And then uh, there was a championship poodle owner who was talking about poodles, talking about the breeds and, and, uh, and competitions and all that stuff. Uh, Ralph Helfer brought big cats with him uh, and include footage of Betty White playing with a lion, a tiger, and a leopard, presumably at Africa, USA. But she was snuggling up with the lion and pet the lion. Oh, oh, and and the thing is, if you've ever seen any of these animals, the the, the big cats that are tame, they're all like really old cats, 15, 20 years old. They basically lost their vicious bones a long time ago. But she was snuggling with them almost like they're like teddy bears. Ah, beautiful, beautiful cats. After that segment, Ralph brought on two little baby tigers uh, on stage with uh, Betty White and Mary Tyler Moore. Again, looks like little baby kitty cats. Absolutely beautiful. Episode three had James Brolin with his Great Dane Buck. The main focus of the show was Great Danes, and there were Great Danes of all ages and sizes. And seriously, you could have slapped a saddle on some of them. They looked like they're as big as horses. And speaking of big, Ralph Helfer's animal this week in studio was a trained elephant. What? A trained elephant. Well, again, remember, his animals are all trained for TV shows and and the like. So you're not going to bring a wild elephant on there. He's going to bring a trained elephant. Episode four had Carol Burnett with her dog, Phoebe, who was a mutt. And actually, Betty White took great offense to the word mutt. She said, don't call them that term. Call them an American crossbreed. So if you ever hear the word mutt, apparently that's uh, verboten. Call it an American crossbreed. An American crossbreed. Got it. Right. And Ralph Hill for this week came with a variety of animals, including, listen, to the, this is a, a, a whole cornucopia of animals. A penguin, a hedgehog, an anteater, a wallaby, and a baby elephant. Ooh. Ooh. So, I mean, you can almost see that this is possibly where Jack Hanna got his ideas from. Because if you ever see Jack Hanna on Letterman or Maury or any other TV show, he doesn't have just one type of animal. He has a little bit of everything. As long as they don't, as long as they don't kill each other. And then after that, uh, you had uh, a doctor, a veterinary doctor, talk, uh, with a Chihuahua puppy talking about training puppies. You had a doctor who flew in from New York City, not not a doctor in the sense that we would know, uh, we, we would consider a doctor. This is actually like an animal doctor or a, a psychologist, well, a psychologist, not a doctor doctor as in like a surgeon doctor. And he actually spent a segment talking about pet-oriented child psychotherapy. Basically, like like your dogs you see in hospitals or cats you see in hospitals for uh, comforting patients. Yeah, we have actually one of those where I work. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah, so so this sounds like the genesis of that because he had just written a book at the time. So again, this is 50 years ago. 
So pet therapy may have started with uh, this Dr. Boris Levinson. And then the end of the episode, Ralph Helfer's wife, Tony, comes out with their baby gorilla and the baby gorilla is wearing a diaper. I'll say that again for Greg. The baby gorilla is wearing a diaper. Oh, oh a baby gorilla is and, wearing a diaper. And it's not the only time we're going to see the baby gorilla. We're going to oh. see him in a later episode. Oh, that's terrific. And, and the baby gorilla's name is Kong. Oh, so, nice. so, so, so in case you wonder where the Ghostbusters character Kong got his name, maybe there. I don't know. Probably oh, no. not. No. No, no. Just, just try and do a callback to a previous episode. Episode five, Bob Barker. At yes. this point, this is pre-Price is Right. He was still doing Truth or Consequences at this time. Yeah, that, mm-hmm. Not even a mention of Price is Right, because that's not coming for another year. He was on with his basset hound, Mr. Hubbard. Mr. Hubbard. Mr. Hubbard. Mr. Hubbard. Who's, who's deaf. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you had a professional dog handler and, that came on in the second segment and talked about just basset hounds galore. Had a bunch of basset hounds, talked again about breed specifics and different types and different colors. And it, it was just like a convention of basset hounds. Uh, the doctor you had earlier, Dr. Boris Levinson, uh, he came back on the show this next episode, episode five. And instead of talking about psychotherapy with animals or child psychotherapy with animals, uh, he was talking about pet ownership for the elderly, as in why it may or may not be a good idea to get your elderly parent or grandparent a pet. Ralph Hilfer uh, then uh, started uh, talking about older wild animals on places like his uh, Africa, USA, his, his, uh, his habitat, if you will. And he brought out goats, a llama, and burrows. And that was the end of that episode. Episode six had Eve Arden with a cock. I'm going to get this wrong. So Cockatiel? Gonna... No. Eve Arden came on with her dog, which was a cockapopso. Oh, that's that's what that would be a crossbreed between a cock, uh, uh, a lassa opsa, and you had it, you had it. It's a cross between a cockapoo and a lassa opso. So she had she had her cockapopso named Chauncey and a West Highland White Terrier named Chelsea. And she got into the story about how she got Chelsea. She actually got Chelsea at Harrods in London. I think we all know or have heard of Harrods for one reason or another. For one reason or another, yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about one of those reasons. But there was a lot of conversation about bringing animals from other countries to America and vice versa. And one thing she mentioned to uh, Betty White is that bringing her to the USA wasn't all that difficult. But if she ever had to bring Chelsea back to England, Chelsea would have to be quarantined for six months. Six months quarantine. Maybe that's changed in the last 50 years, but that seems like an awful long time to quarantine uh, a dog. Uh, then, And this is the episode, actually. I mentioned earlier the episode about white dogs. This is the white dog episode. 
because they looked at only white dogs like White Pyrenees, Samoyeds, Westies, Celiums, and Maltesers. And to keep up actually with the white animal topic, they showed footage at the LA Zoo with two baby snow leopards and footage from the National Zoo of a white tiger kitten. They were absolutely beautiful cats. And then uh, Ralph uh, came on stage with white colored animals, white furred animals like guanaco, and actually got in a little deeper into white animals talking about albinos. And they showed uh, two or three albino animals at the LA Zoo. So not just white furred, naturally white furred animals, but also getting into albinos. To top off all the white animals, you had a dog owner who, at this point, she would have been kind of revolutionary. She had seven, 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 seven Bichon Frises. Wow. Well, you're saying, why is that special? Why is that special? Bichon Frises were a relatively new breed in the U.S. in 1971. They had just been introduced to the U.S. in 1956. So th- their population at that point, I think they said was about 2,000. So yeah, I know Bichon Frises are more popular nowadays, but humble beginnings back in the 50s, 60s, and early 70s. But she had seven. Absolute cuteness there. Episode seven had Mike Connors with his black lab Rufus. And this episode was basically focused on retrievers, different types of retrievers, golden retrievers and Labrador retrievers, yellow retrievers. Uh, And uh, you had uh, an expert talking about retriever training and specifically training seeing eye dogs. And uh, Ralph Helfer uh, brought along a sight-impaired female to meet a lion. Ooh. So we're talking, we're talking about a blind woman. She's young, probably 20 or so. And this is like her first time dealing with like wild animals. Full-grown lion, full-grown male lion. He let her pet uh, the lion, pet the oh. mane, pet the tail. Wow. Oh, yeah. It, it was incredible. And, and she was just like amazed. Just absolutely just like beyond her, herself. It, it, it was very cool. And then episode eight, we get to Barbara Felden, Agent, Agent 99, Agent 99, with her Siamese cat, Yang Felden PC. That's that's the cat's name. The first name is Yang, Felden's obviously the last name, and then PC slapped on the end for Pussycat. And uh, this is episodes primarily about cats. This is the first uh, episode I think we've had a celebrity bring just a cat in. Or, or actually uh, just maybe any cat. I think everybody else has brought dogs in at this point. And Ralph Helfer uh, spends uh, his time with tigers. And he has a Bengal tiger in the studio. And they talk at length about the potential extinction of tigers. That was a serious issue back in 1970. Still is. And they were talking about the population of tigers uh, in the world, both in captivity and in the wild. And Again, it was a very low number at that point. It was in the range of about 1,000 or 2,000. So it was pushing the the cause of Save the Tigers, which is great. And then you had a resident of California who actually took care of feral cats. 
that lived near the beach on Corona del Mar, California. So what they, uh, they're feral, so that means they're wild. And they actually had a population of them in that area for like 20 years. And one of the few people that these cats will associate with is her. She'll go every day to feed them. And they actually recognize her, not by her voice or by sight. They recognize the sound of her muffler on her car, which makes her sense. It, it makes, I'm not joking when I say this, that makes 100% sense because, again, I mentioned I had dogs and cats. Our dog, or one of our dogs, he, or I don't remember which dog it was. It may have been a number of dogs. They would react when they heard my mother's or father's car muffler pulling into the driveway. And they'd be, you know, when they'd wake up and they'd be like alert, ready for, to, to give love and affection and get ready for dinner or whatnot. And I'm sure after a while they associate that sound with, Hey, mom's coming home. Dad's coming home. What have you? They're, they're smarter than you think, but yeah. So all these feral cats, they knew she was coming because they could hear her muffler or her car coming down the street or boulevard. And then you had an author of uh, books on pets just talking about different breeds of cats. Uh, Felicia Ames, we'll talk about her later because she makes an appearance later on in the series. Episode 9 had Beverly Garland with her Shih Tzu Chow Toto. Uh, The Shih Tzu at that point, 1971, was actually the most recently recognized breed of dog by the AKC. One visitor on this episode was actually Tramp the dog from My Three Sons. So they talked about uh, Tramp the dog. And this would have been actually, I think, the last season of My Three Sons. So it's sort of fitting that they talked to this dog when they had the chance. Talk to the dog. They talk about the dog when they had the chance. I don't think the dog is going to say anything if they talk to him. What if it did? Uh, You know, we had a talking cat, Greg. We could have a talking dog. He could, but would the but would the dog be voiced by Eric Roberts? Probably not. No. no. Only a talking cat can be voiced by Eric Roberts. That's coming eventually. On it was a thing at the movies. Oh my gosh, was that a thing at the movies? Beverly Garland uh, actually went to uh, Africa USA, Ralph Helfer's Wildlife Reserve. And uh, she spent time with a giraffe and a snake while she was there. And they got a videotape of it, uh, just uh, uh, dealing with those two animals. And then Ralph, in the studio, listen to this. This is an animal I don't think you want to bring in studio, but nothing happened. A water buffalo. A water buffalo. That's not even the best part, Greg. We just talked about a talking cat. A talking dog? Yeah. This is a talking water buffalo. What? A talking water buffalo? A talking water buffalo. (laughs) What? Now, the the only catch is the only thing the water buffalo can say is hi. But the thing is, he could do it on command. Hey, Mr. Water Buffalo. Hi. I'm not joking. The water buffalo can say hi. Water buffalo... Say it's hi. a talking water buffalo. A talking water buffalo says hi. Hi. Says hi. And then Betty White and Beverly Garland 
and a professional dog handler talk about Shih Tzus and Lhasa Apsos. Makes sense given that uh, uh, Beverly Garland has a Shih Tzu and Lhasa Apsos are closely related. Episode 10, you have Johnny Mathis and his sheepdog named Henry. Uh, an expert comes to visit to talk about sheepdog grooming and maintenance. And if you've ever seen a sheepdog or had one, you know there's a ton of maintenance to be done. Got to keep that that coat nice and, uh, and tangle free. And then the dog described in this segment with this dog expert, the name is Nelson, but it's Henry's father. I think, I, I don't think they knew that they're father and son, but it's interesting that they mentioned that Nelson, this dog is Henry's father. Uh, Ralph Hilfer, a border collie and the dog's owner, the border collie's owner, uh, did a demonstration on how to herd sheep. And they also talked about sheep herding competitions, about what you can, uh, what the dogs can do to qualify or, or get disqualified. And they can't touch them at all with their nose. And, and, and there's been dogs that have attacked sheep in the past. It was an interesting segment. I didn't know that much uh, about uh, dog herding, specifically the competition aspect, but it makes sense because it seems like they have a different competition for all the natural abilities in dogs. And then Betty White ends this show by feeding a lamb, which was on a previous episode. And I think it was episode five, but I'm not 100% sure about that. But it was the same lamb that was on a previous episode. Episode 11 has Donald O'Connor with his Irish wolfhound Lobo. Related, Ralph Helfer brings on set a pair of timber wolves. Again, tame, not wild. And most of the talk on this show is about other big dogs, specifically the Scottish Deerhound, which is like a bigger version of the Irish Wolfhound. Uh, actually, I think they said twice the size of an Irish Wolfhound. So that's a big dog. Episode 12, you had Barbara Bain and her Great Pyrenees, Pollyanna. And a lot of this show is dedicated to a very special guest. And this is a name you may have heard of Cleveland Amory. He was a critic for the TV guide among other places. And he spent probably a good 10 minutes talking about the fun for animals, which uh, I believe he either created or spearheaded at this point and really got into talking about not wearing animal furs the specific example he gave is to make one raccoon coat, 40 raccoons had to be killed. So he was really sort of pushing that, the anti-fur movement. And Ralph Helfer is back. And this time he had seals. Episode 13 had Agnes Moorhead with her poodle Dusa. And uh, Bush Gardens zoo manager came with exotic birds, including macaws and cockatoos. And uh, here's another talent you're not going to believe, Greg. How about a cockatoo pedaling a tricycle? What? Uh, really? Okay, do I need to repeat these like two or three times? The talking water buffalo and now the cockatoo that pedals a tricycle. So what the cockatoo did was it held the handlebars with its beak and then it's claws, its paws, just moved this tricycle. I mean, it wasn't a full-size tricycle, 
I would say it was like maybe a, a half or third scale tricycle, but it moved this little tricycle. It, it, it actually through the end credits was riding this tricycle as the credits rolled. Uh, and then Cleveland Amory returned for this episode too. And a video is shown of a falconer. Wait, was Will Forte there? Oh boy. Uh, I didn't see Simon McCorkendale either. Well, minimal. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I actually have in my notes here, Greg Rars here. So thank you <laughs> so much. Thank you for like reading my mind. And then keeping on the topic of wild birds, Ralph Helfer had wild birds, including eagles, a vulture, and a hawk in the final segment of the show. Episode 14 had Bob Crane with his Shih Tzu star and his cat Jasper. This is actually, I think, the first time we have a cat and a dog. And they coexisted, believe it or not. Oh. Unlike another cat and dog pair that we're going to talk about later. On this episode, they had a pet owner who owned, among other things, listen to this. This is a weird pet, but she legally owned it. A river otter. An otter. An otter. An otter. Cute little thing. Sort of annoying. Made a lot of weird sounds, but very beautiful animal. Uh, Betty White, Bob Crane, and a guest talk about Pekingeses. And then Ralph Helfer this week, he brought a zebra. Episode 15 has Shirley Jones with her schnauzer, Maggie Flynn. And taking care of animals from a children's perspective is actually a good portion of uh, the first half of the show. And one of the children that helps out is actually Ralph Helfer's daughter. And then when we get to Ralph's segment, he's got lion cubs. And they showed footage of newborn tigers taken 20 minutes after birth. Cute little cats. Episode 16, Paul Lind with his dandy Dinmont, Harry McAfee. Oh, yes. This was the episode that I watched on Peacock today. And Harry McAfee is actually the name of a character that Paul Lind played in a play. And he just looked at the dog and said, that dog looks like a Harry McAfee. Yeah, that's the role he played in uh, Bye Bye Birdie. And also, uh, Harry is spelled H-A-R-R-Y, not H-A-I-R-Y, like, you know, Harry. Although we do get the joke, so. Yeah. Ralph Helfer and a wild animal photographer in studio, they had a bear who actually did TV work on Gentle Ben. So it sounds like there's actually an animal, a bear that may have come from uh, Ralph's uh, wildlife sanctuary. Episode 17 has Artie Johnson with his Cocker Spaniel Fraulein. And the Fraulein is just a nickname. I give you the full name, but taking a look at the DVD, it's like four or five names. It starts off with Fraulein, but then there's a lot more. And I even turned on the subtitles to see if I can get the name of the dog. And it just said, speaks German. So we just know the dog is called Fraulein. There was footage of dolphins taken while returning to land from recording uh, footage of seals, which happened on episode 12. Betty was on this boat. They had gone to to see seals, get some footage. And as they were going back, they encountered a mass of dolphins. And 
the photographer that uh, was on this segment said there must have been probably about 2,000 of them right by the ship, and they were like 8 to 10 deep. A lot of dolphins. Very interesting to see uh, all those dolphins around a ship, around a moving vehicle, and not get injured, obviously. Well, obviously. And then Ralph Helfer came on, and he had a penguin this week. Ooh. Cute little penguin swam around in a kiddie pool. Oh, it was so adorable. Uh, and then uh, in the segment uh, about uh, animals, this week it was about spaniels, but specifically cocker spaniels and sprayer spaniels, specifically puppies. Plus, they also had full-grown dogs of both of those breeds. So they showed a good range of colors and, again, breeds, the cockers and the springers, but then also different ages. So you can see how big they get as time goes on. Because they look cute when they're small, but when they turn out to be mini horses, they're big. Episode 18 had Miyoshi Umeki, who was on the courtship of Eddie's father at this time, with her two Afghans, Kushan and Kado. And this episode was billed as wall-to-wall Afghans by Betty. Ooh, I love Afghans. Ralph Hilfer had a camel with him this week. And again, as I said, Afghans galore. But uh, when they're showing off Afghans in the final segment, they had a model wearing a jacket made of Afghan hair. Afghan dog hair. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah there's different types of Afghans, but yeah, it was made of Afghan dog hair. You're talking it, about the dogs, obviously. The dog, yeah, the dogs, not the rabbits. But it was like full length. It wasn't just like a small jacket. It was like a three quarters length or full length jacket, and it was all made from uh, Afghan dog hair. Yes, it is beautiful. Nice little pattern they made there. It was like a, a checkered pattern. Episode nineteen. Here's our cat and dog. We have Scruffy the dog, and we have Sylvester the cat, and their celebrity owner is Rosemary. And Sylvester is a feisty little cat because several times you could see Sylvester swipe at Scruffy's nose. And you heard Sylvester uh, meow or or, or screech at uh, Scruffy. And Rosemary even said, hey, these dogs usually are copacetic. They usually get along really well. Maybe Sylvester's a little uh, feisty under the lights or what have you. This week, Ralph Helfer, this is the only episode I think Ralph Helfer was not on the show. He did, however, provide two Shetland ponies to the show. So they, uh, there, there was a guest along with them talking about the Shetland ponies. And uh, keeping in line with the horse theme, a show horse owner has her horse on stage and shows video of some of the talents her horse does. Not really in like an equestrian sense, more like a talented sense. But she'll return because uh, in a future episode, she's on with horses and they actually show the equestrian side. We're uh, halfway there. Episode 20, Rod Serling and his Irish sitter, Mike. And this show focused just on setters. Uh, You had, interestingly, two guests who came all the way from Kenya. They came from Kenya for this episode. They run a safari tour agency. And they had a lion pup with them, a cute little baby lion. 
And a lot of footage from uh, an African safari was shown. A lot of footage of lions and giraffes and uh, like every creature you could think of, except for like two or three. But we're going to talk about that in a second. And then Ralph uh, actually had a hyena pup. Ugly little creature, but it's a little baby hyena. Uh, Episode 21, uh, Amanda Blake. She was there with a friend's dogs named Randy and Molly Brown. The reason she didn't have her pets there, interesting, is she lives in Arizona and she actually wanted to fly the animals to Los Angeles but she did a test run flying in her private plane and the animals didn't fare too well in that practice flight. So uh, she borrowed these two dogs from a a friend of hers. Uh, The husband and wife who run the safari, we just mentioned in episode 20, they're back for this next episode, but they return with more footage of African animals in the wild, including hippos and crocodiles. And speaking of wild animals from uh, Africa, Ralph Helfer has a cheetah with him this week, a big cheetah, not a little baby cheetah. And Betty treats the cheetah like it's a little kitty cat. Oh, oh yeah. I I mean, such a big cat. And the the cat is taking it sort of like if uh, my cat came up here and wanted me to play with her. (laughs) I want to see if that's a cue, if she's coming. No, she's not coming. Okay. Episode 22 had Ava Gabor with Ms. Magoo and Oliver, who are two dogs, and her cat, Baby. And really, uh, there's not much to talk about on this episode. It's just generally talking about animals. But Ralph Helfer, he has an ostrich this episode. Seven feet tall. Basically said you don't want to make him mad. He could go crazy at any moment. Big, big bird. Episode 23 had Michael Landon with his poodle, Joey. And this episode, most of the episode was spent actually comparing the top 10 dog breeds in 1970 versus the top 10 dog breeds in 1920. The number one dog breed in 1920 was the Boston Terrier. In 1970, it was a poodle. And just doing a little bit of research, what do you think the, the top dog breed in 2020 is? The most popular? Uh, the one that looks like fried chicken. I forgot what it's called. The one that looks like fried chicken. I, I'm going to just guess corgi because everyone loves corgis. No, it's not a corgi. No. It's the Labrador Retriever. Oh. And interestingly enough, the Labrador Retriever was ranked number 10 in 1970. And and it was unranked in 1920. And what they actually did is for each number, 10, then 9, then 8, then 7, then all the way up to 1, they brought out the 1920 dog. So the first dog out was the number 10 dog in 1920. And then they brought out the number 10 dog in 1970. So your Labrador Retriever. And then they did the same thing with 9, 8, 7, all the way to 1, where they brought out the 1920s dog and the 1970s dog. And basically showed an evolution of, okay, here's the 10 breeds that were most popular in 1920. And then here's the 10 breeds that are most popular in 1970. And I don't think there was any crossover. And I don't think you had any repeats. So you had 20 unique breeds 
for the course of uh, the entire little uh, survey, if you will, here. 10 breeds in uh, the 20s, 10 different breeds in the 70s, which I think is very interesting. Oh, golden doodles. Those were the ones I was trying to remember. Well, you're still wrong. It's the Labrador Retriever. <laughs> Sorry about that. And uh, again, that took up maybe a good 10 to 15 minutes of the show. So the, the, all you really had time for was Michael Landon uh, talking about Joey and you know, how he found him and whatnot. And then you had this comparison of 1920s dogs to 1970s dogs. But at the end, you had Ralph Helfer and he brought elephants. And he didn't uh, notice I said plural, elephants. He brought like three or four elephants with him. Big elephants. Episode 24 had, I apologize for the name. It was a different time. Blackie the dog. And Blackie's owner is Peter Lawford. An interesting fact on this episode. Blackie's grandmother was the first dog in space. Wow! Oh, neat! So you, you've got sort of celebrity dogs here. Uh, Ralph Helfer had a leopard on this show. And then a very interesting segment. They had trained dogs and the trainer who trained these dogs. And these dogs were trained to identify different things. And what I mean by that is they had a dog who could identify a type of flower based on the name of the flower. They had dogs that could identify different colors and the dogs could even identify words and items that were spelled to them. It's kind of fascinating. So the the trainer would say something like, which flower is red? And so you had like a yellow flower, a red flower, and some other, like a white flower, like a white rose. And the dog would put its muzzle up to the red flower. And then, you know, I don't remember the exact flower. I'm going to say sunflower, but it wasn't a sunflower. He'd say, which one's the sunflower? And the dog would walk over and put his muzzle on the sunflower. And, uh, And then, you know, who's wearing green? And Betty White happened to be wearing a green outfit. And the dog put his nose or jumped up on Betty. And it was interesting. And I'm going to assume this is done in one take. But... These were not dogs just like sit, stand and whatnot. No, they recognize colors and spellings. Yeah, which person is wearing G-R-E-E-N? And he go over to to Betty because she's wearing green. Amazing. Episode 25, you had Gloria and Jimmy Stewart with their golden retrievers, Bo and Simba. And about halfway through the first segment, Gloria Stewart met up with a friend of hers, a baby orangutan named Jonathan. And I mentioned this earlier, Kong the gorilla, the one that wore the diaper earlier, Greg? Yes. He returned for episode 25. Oh, fantastic. So Kong the gorilla was on episode four and episode 25. (laughs) Episode 26 had Burt Reynolds with his best at home, Bertha. Ralph Helfer brought in a cougar slash puma slash mountain lion, since all those names are synonymous. And since this is a basset hound, uh, the final segment of the show was spent uh, talking about different hounds, including bassets and bloodhounds. 
Episode 27 had Dennis Weaver with his mixed dogs, Christmas and Heidi. Felicia Ames, who we talked about earlier, I think we talked about her back in episode eight. She's back. And this time Felicia Ames came with a sight impaired woman. And we're not talking about seeing eye dogs this time. This woman, she had a seeing eye cat. Ralph Helfer then uh, had lions, five lions, and they're all different ages. So you had a little baby lion, one that I think was about nine months old, a little bit bigger, a little older. Then you saw them like getting more mature uh, into like later childhood, then like early adulthood. And then finally you had this big majestic male lion with its big mane. And you had like all five of them side by side. So it looked like a timeline. And to end this episode, we sort of revisit episode 24 with the trained dogs. They're back and they're doing different stunts this time, different types of uh, training beyond um, who's wearing this color, what is this type of flower, et cetera. Uh, They actually uh, were talking about more specific colors that weren't even really on the set, talking about like blonde hair and talking about pink. And the dog actually actually found something on the set, which was pink. It is pretty amazing. And it was just like a, a single little flower in like a lattice background. And the dog found this pink flower. Smart dog. Episode 28, we have Jim Neighbors with two of his dogs, Baby, who's a white German shepherd, and Keijo, a mixed uh, dog. I would have thought uh, one of them would be uh, would have a reference to Gomer Pyle. But, oh. Which makes sense because this is around the time of Gomer Pyle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this uh, episode, you had a segment and video about sled dogs, talking about Malamutes and Huskies and winter dogs. And you also had Malamutes and, and Huskies in the studio. They actually decked out the sets in a winter scene with presumably fake snow on the ground because they don't get real snow in, in California. Spoiler. Uh, and then Ralph Helfer came this time with a lion cub and some snakes. Not like big pythons, but like smaller snakes, but still snakes. <laughs> you, you know those ones that are like six, seven feet long, might go around your neck or you, know, you put on your shoulders. For, for, for some reason, I need uh, like a, uh, who was it, Greg? Ravishing Rick Rude that did that? What, what was that you said? With snakes. Oh, no, Jake the Snake Roberts had the snake. Oh, Jake, well, that makes the most sense. No, I had my mustachioed wrestlers mixed up. Well, no, Ravishing Rick Rude did try to hit on Jake Roberts' wife one time. Oh, that couldn't have ended well. No, it didn't. Uh, I figured as much. Uh, Episode 29, you had Vincent Price with his pug, Puffalina Pansy Price. And, of course, we're talking about Vincent Price, known for horror flicks. We talk a lot about ravens in this episode. And there is a raven in studio, and a lot of footage is shown uh, of the Vincent Price movie, The Raven, where he's actually alongside a raven for a number of scenes. And then Ralph Helfer comes with a chimpanzee who creates art. Oh, it actually does like finger painting and whatnot. 
And interestingly enough, at the start of the episode, they said two of these five pieces are done by this chimpanzee. Guess which that, ones they are? A chimp? But they're chimp. basically Jackson Pollock, right? Uh, not as splattery. It, it's more like I said, like finger paints, like streaking hands and handprints and whatnot. It, right. it, it looks almost like uh, like kindergarten finger paint art. And the person who uh, did this segment, this visitor, didn't tell Betty that the three pieces of art that weren't done by the chimpanzee were done by an elephant at the San Diego Zoo. And they showed the elephant doing some of the art. And this elephant was trained by the one and only Joan Embry. Okay, I remember that. I think I remember hearing that story. Joan Embry has talked about it on TV shows in the past. It definitely rang a bell, and I was not surprised at all when I heard the name Joan Embry come up. Episode 30 had Bill Bixby with his dog, Crash, who's a mix. Uh, A San Diego Zoo vet came with an emu chick and a Russian step cat. So there's some exotic animals for you. Rath Helfer came with a big Bengal tiger and a karate expert and actually showed footage of, I don't know if this is from movies or if this was just done at the uh, animal sanctuary that Ralph runs, but they showed the karate experts doing karate right near like the tigers and some other wild animals. And they were, uh, they were non-reactionary. Tiger didn't kill the guy. And then in the final segment, uh, it was all about Spaniels, your Cocker Spaniels, English Spaniels, Springer Spaniels. Episode 31 had dogs named Jason and Socrates with their owners, Edward Albert and Eddie Albert from uh, Green Acres. Betty interacts with two killer whales at Marineland. She actually actually had footage of her petting them and she held up a sign. And if this doesn't date this show, I don't know what does. She held up a sign that said socket to me. And oh, what wow. did the, yeah, and what did one of the two killer whales do? Splashed her with water. But yeah, I mean it really dates it. It, it, it said socket to me. I took a good look at that. Uh, Ralph Helfer uh, in studio this week had alligators and an alligator, I should say, single alligator. And the last segment was all about kitties, little baby cats, little babies. Little fur balls. Episode 32 had Vicky Carr with Jolie the Yorkie and Buckwheat the Miniature Poodle. They talked to an animal habitat owner uh, who was uh, basically just talked about her habitat, what she does. And she had a pelican with her. Big pelican, big beak. Ralph Helfer had animals from Mexico this episode including a red fox, a burrow, and a macaw. And in the final segment, uh, the common thread was they talked about breeds of dogs who are native to Mexico. Episode 33 had Doris Day with a slew of dogs. She brought five dogs with her. Didn't even decide to take their names down. She just had five dogs. Uh, Ralph Helfer uh, was actually uh, on the set with Predatory Birds this week including a hawk and two vultures, two ugly vultures. And uh, the final segment was about breeds of dogs 
which are best for families. Episode 34 had Merv Griffin with Kiesold, who is a Bouvier de Flandre. Uh, Ralph Helfer is back this time with a cheetah and a vet who actually uh, did, among other things, repaired uh, fractured legs in an elephant, actually made casts, almost like forms that the elephant would put uh, their paws in their legs, and that helped them recover from fractures. And the animal in the final segment this week is more horses. And I believe this does include the um, person we talked about earlier who did the training. And this time they actually showed video of her in like a semi-professional equestrian event, jumping over uh, the, uh, the fences and all that. Episode 35 had Barbara Eden with her German shepherd, Rufus. Oh, nice. The main topic this episode is canine dental care. Bush Gardens supplied the show with some Australian birds, including a kookaburra and a cockatoo. Notice where the theme is going here, uh, Australian animals. Ralph Hilfer brought a wallaby and a koala with him. And the pets uh, that was being focused in the final segment were terriers, starting with an Australian terrier. So there's like three quarters of the episode was Australia-based kind of, sort of but they talked about all sorts of terriers in the final segment. Episode 36, Peter Marshall brought his cat, Barbara. And this, this is the cat episode. Uh, the main topic of the show was how to train cats. And again, trust me, given I have one, they're tough to train, but again, they can be trained. We talked earlier about a, a seeing eye cat. Ralph brought along a full-grown cougar and a cougar cub, and in oh, the wow. final and in the final segment, more kitty cats because who doesn't love little balls of fur? Episode thirty-seven had Della Reese with her poodle dog. Uh, Ralph brought a leopard and a video about animals camouflaging in the wild and how they camouflage. Dalmatians were uh, the focus on this episode, and also just. Overall obedience in dog shows, what they need to do, how they do it. Episode 38, Sue Ann Langdon had Minnie the... This is not a typo, Greg, when I say what Minnie is. Minnie the rooster. She brought a rooster with her, not kidding. And the rooster's name, Minnie. Minnie, yes. Like Minnie Mouse, not Minnie, M-I-N-I. It could be either one. I didn't verify the spelling. I, I think it's interesting either way because Minnie being small, you know, Rooster's not really small and Minnie's more of a female name and the Rooster's not female. Use your own judgment as to what type of Minnie we're talking about. But so still, Sue Ann Landon came on with Minnie the Rooster and Digger the Scotty. And Digger is a nickname. Again, I didn't get the full name because it was kind of lengthy. With Ralph this week is a raccoon, uh, an assistant curator at a, uh, I believe is a, a, a bird park, and aviary, uh, talked about uh, the popularity of pandas. I, I know we're talking about a, a, a curator at a, a bird park or a bird sanctuary, but he spent most of his time talking about the popularity of pandas 
1971, 72. And remember, this is about the time when Nixon went to China and got those pandas. So it makes sense that there's a bit of a love affair of pandas at this time. And the final segment in this episode was all about monkeys, including talking about a humane society for monkeys. Oh, the last episode's a little different. We had a number of guests. There's an award which is given every year called the Patsy Awards. And what the Patsy Award is, is it's an acronym that stands for Picture Animal Top Star of the Year. Later, it was changed to Performing Animal TV Star of the Year. So the awards, the actual awards for uh, that year for 1971 were given on the show. And uh, you had, among other people, you had some guests. The guest that was introduced at the top of the show, believe it or not, was one Alan Ludden. So Alan Ludden was on with, well, not just his dogs, because by extension, they're also Betty White's dogs, Emma, Willie, and Sooner. They talked a little bit, but again, most of the episode was devoted to these Patsy Awards, and they gave out a couple of Patsy Awards, uh, including Best uh, Animal uh, Television Performer that year, which went to, and apparently this animal had received the award numerous times before, Arnold Ziffel. Well, Arnold Ziffel, I mean, he was a funny little pig. He is but, a little pig. but also, actually, one thing they mentioned during this is that Lassie, Lassie the dog proper, is actually ineligible because Lassie has won the award so many times. But one nominee that apparently fit the bill because it's not Lassie is Lassie's kids that performed on the show Lassie. So Lassie proper, no bueno. Lassie's offspring, knock your socks off. Of which she has many. They had three on there. They they had three, but still, they actually listed on the screen, it said Lassie's offspring, or not offspring, but Lassie's puppies or Lassie's dogs, and credited the show Lassie. But also, in addition to Alan Ludden, who... Uh, made this special appearance, and we'll get some more uh, about Alan in a second. You had, with their pets, w- with at least one pet apiece, I think all of them were dogs. I don't think there were any cats or anything weird. You had Pat Carroll, Richard Deacon, and Nancy Colt. So they were sort of like, I don't want to say judges necessarily, but they had a later role in this episode besides being witness to the Patsy Awards. And I should say this is the 21st annual Patsy Awards at this time. And actually the Patsy Awards, the last one they had was 1976. So it didn't last much longer than, uh, than this show, unfortunately, even though it started in 1951. Wow. Yeah. And then after the Patsy Awards were given, there was actually a 
what was called the Pet Set Fun Match, which basically is Pat Carroll, Richard Deacon, Nancy Culp, and Betty White having a dog show being emceed by Alan Ludden, and everybody got a trophy for a different reason. It wasn't like best dog or or smartest dog or best trained dog. It, it was like, you know, best dog who did this. It was very lighthearted, but everybody got a trophy. Oh. And that's it. 39th episode was the final episode, and the final episode was the uh, Patsy Awards. This is a cute little series. I got to tell you, I, I know there's some episodes, you can find it any, uh, not anywhere, but a lot of places. Uh, I know it's on Amazon Prime. Uh, the first episode is free, but the entire series I saw is $50. Yep. Uh, uh, you, can, you can actually get the whole run for free on, uh, well, actually, for free, it's free when you've already paid for it, on Peacock, uh, on Crackle, and on Tubi. And also, I think on Apple TV, it gives you a chance to watch those shows, too. But as I mentioned, uh, I have the DVD set. I got the DVD set. Actually, I think the day it came out uh, through Amazon, because I was just so curious about this show. And also, this was like a month after I got out of the hospital. So I I needed something to entertain me. The one thing the DVD set gives you that... The other versions don't, that the Apple TV and Amazon Prime and all those don't give you. There is a special sixth DVD on this. The, the main series is five DVDs for the 39 episodes. But there's a sixth DVD, and it has a bunch of special features. And I'll, I'll tell you what those are. Uh, there's a behind-the-scenes uh, package. There's promotional spots for the pet set. There's a photo gallery of Betty uh, and pets. There's a piece about Betty and Alan. There's PSAs by Betty. But I think the biggest draw of all, especially if you want to get the DVD set, is uh, there is a piece about uh, Betty White, Queen of Television. But also, this is a two-hour extra on this. I think this is most of the uh, special features here. It's called Betty White Game Show Goddess. And what it is, it starts with a three-minute sort of like package about Betty. They show some stills of her on different TV shows. Just basically saying, hey, she did more than Golden Girls. She did Match Game and she did Password. And she was married to Mr. Password. But after that is when the fun starts. There are three episodes, three very special episodes, three really hard-to-find episodes. One of them is very limited and was only discovered in the last year and a half or so. The second, I don't think people even knew existed. And the third is more common. And I think when Buzzer does its tribute to Betty White, we're recording this before the Betty White tributes air on buzzer but they're going to show a couple of episodes of make the connection and i know that game show network has shown at least one episode of make the connection with betty white and actually i think that episode is on this dvd set i think it's the one with uh, j fred muggs which is absolutely hilarious but the first episode and really you might be able to make a case to make a mini episode out of this 
is the time in 1975 or a time in 1975 Betty White hosted Password 75. Yes. I, wow. I know we've I know we've covered Password 75 in the past, but she hosted it for a week and appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. This episode has what ends up being the biggest winner in password history being retired. Wow. She was apparent now based on what we've seen based on existing episodes. This episode is dated like late March of 75. It's like March 27th or so. Just throwing out a number there. I'm not exactly sure about the, the exact date. The champion uh, that retired on this episode, she was on an existing episode that's been on the trading circuit for 25 years. That's from like two weeks earlier. So she was on, I think they said like 14 episodes or, or 14 games. She finally won more than the maximum uh, that ABC allowed at the time, 20,000 on like her 15th episode. So talk about a very slow process. It took her 15 episodes to win over $20,000. So she must have only won the big money maybe realistically three times before, maybe even twice before. So yeah, and also even more amazing. She was on for 14 episodes and or 15 episodes and you had to do that qualifier Remember the qualifier with the big arrow? You hit the button oh. and the arrow hits you in the chin almost. Yeah. Uh-huh. She had to, she win, had those. to win that. She had to win that qualifier every episode. So she won that qualifier like 15 times. So she was always first or second place. That's pretty amazing. But the episode is not great quality. It's black and white, but it's on this DVD set. And really, you're not going to find it much anyplace else. I'm pretty sure it's not on YouTube. And the second episode, and this one, as much as we may rave about Betty hosting and the retired champion, the second episode, before Make the Connection, after Password, and actually after Password is a uh, mystery guest segment from What's My Line back in the 60s with Alan and Betty. Just the segment, not the show itself. So there's like a three or four minute uh, uh, mystery guest segment there. But the second episode... Betty White is a celebrity guest on The Price is Right. And the big thing is for collectors, it's an ABC episode, which there are very few of. I think it's, it's got to be an ABC primetime episode. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Price is Right moved to uh, ABC for the last few seasons. Yeah, and they had celebrities... And Betty White uh, was the celebrity on one of these. And this episode, I believe, was from 1964. The video is clear as a bell. It is beautiful. But again, it is rare. uh, Again, I don't think it's on YouTube. And again, the only place I think you can see it, it's not something Buzzer has shown. It's not something Game Show Network has shown. It hasn't been making the rounds. The only place you can get it is on this DVD set, I would almost guarantee. So that might be worth the price of admission right there. If you want to get the DVD set, 
And I don't know if it's due to supply and demand. I don't know if it's due to uh, Betty White's 100th birthday. But if you're interested in the DVD set, it's currently going for $60 on Amazon. And I paid $50, so it's only $10 more than it was uh, 15 months ago or so. But if you're an animal lover, or if you're just a Betty White fan, who isn't a Betty White fan? Really, this series is so fun and lighthearted. And even, as we said earlier, informational and educational, why not drop 50 bucks on this or 60 bucks? It's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. It it really is. And uh, there are some technical glitches. Uh, Sometimes there's no video or sometimes you've got uh, some scrambled blurry lines in there. But overall, it's a very good series. And actually, talking about the series really fast, Just some notes uh, from my research on this show, also known as reading the credits for the most part. We mentioned earlier uh, that Alan Ludden was on the final episode as the guest. Well, in addition, he executive produced this episode and he was the announcer. You heard at the beginning of the show, he's the announcer of this show. One associate producer, here's a name that's going to ring a bell. Oh, yeah. I know where you're going with this. Richard S. Klein, who, among other things, did The Joker's Wild in 1990 and Break the Bank in 1985. Yeah. Previous entry, Break the Bank 1985. Yeah. He is the Klein of Klein and Friends. I was just going to say that. He's the Klein of Klein and Friends. Right. Of course, his friends are John and Doug Barry. And uh, obviously also Klein and Friends brought you shows like Win, Lose, or Draw. And he worked forever with uh, Barry and Enright. So he goes back quite a ways. Not with us any longer, unfortunately. And then another thing I noticed while doing research, talking about Ralph Helfer, who is pretty much integral in this show, either bringing aboard exotic animals or supplying them to the show. He is still with us at 90 years old. That is amazing. But yeah, he, is he, he, born in 31, he's still with us. God bless him. Absolutely. And that's it for the pet set. You had absolutely adorable animals. You had many famous celebrities. And uh, unfortunately, this might have been maybe too light of fare, given what it was going up against. It was syndicated, but at least from what I've seen here, it aired noon, 1230-ish, generally against like college football in the fall. And then actually the last time I saw aired in Cleveland was January 1st of 1972. What happens on January 1st of every year? Oh, the ball games. And Mm -hmm. the parades. Oh, yeah. So its last episode here, it was going up against bowl games and parades. So you had pets, you had celebrities, you had maybe questionable time slots. You have the DVDs now 50 years later, but in the end, the pet sets, it was just a thing on TV. I think that's the first time you've ever said that. It only took 233 episodes. (laughs) You know what else I've never said, Greg? What? And I don't think any of us have ever said this. Do our humble listeners know that we have never had one single 
advertisement on the show. No commercials. That is nope. true. You <laughs> don't need to go through a two or three minute commercial for me or Greg or Chico peddling postage stamps or underwear or hair dye formula or, or you know, manscaped or, or yeah, some sort of food product. Exactly. That's our stance on commercials. Never had it. <laughs> Never will. Thank you, 7up guy. Yeah, thank you very much, 7up guy from the early 80s. I loved you in Live and Let Die, by the way. <laughs> but no, that's our stance. I mean, I'm not looking to profit from it, but uh, I mean, obviously, maybe on YouTube we may potentially, but yeah, unfortunately, I think the, the profit we'd make, if any, would just be pennies at this point. So, you know, th- don't worry about having to fast forward through four, five, six minutes of commercials. You're getting us as is, no ads, no Patreon subscriptions. And th- that may be n- never had it, never will either. But uh, we-, we hope you actually notice that aspect of the show. You don't have to sit through annoying ads. We care about you that much. We'll give you the business. We'll get you in. We'll get you out. We'll entertain you. Now that I got that off my chest. Hey, next time we're here, episode 234. I think we got to celebrate another birthday. Isn't that right, Mr. Chico? Yep. Number 42 in a series. 42 out of 100? uh, We should all hope, right? And hey, uh, hey, at least you're hitting the Jackie Robinson milestone. Yep. And the universal uh, number. The ultimate answer. Exactly. And to celebrate the ultimate answer, I have the ultimate game on planet Earth, where a young teenager is recruited to help save the universe from another young teenager and his army of rubber suited creatures. All to the beat of popular music, which is probably why you're probably never going to see a DVD of it. Ah. This will all make sense next time on It Was a Thing on TV. Thank you for listening. Please be kind to each other, and we will see you. Wait for it. Next time. Wow! Welcome back. The MTV show Jackass made headlines last month when a Kentucky teenager suffered severe injuries imitating a stunt he'd seen on the show. Is the power of television so strong that kids will risk their lives to be like their favorite shows? MSNBC's Nora O'Donnell has yet another example of this dangerous trend. How was that? Did I look sexy? Jamie Gruber turned 15 last month, but he spent his birthday in a coma here at the Phoenixville Hospital because he injured himself imitating something he saw on his favorite TV show, The Golden Girls. (laughs) Jamie and his friends say they're all about watching reruns of The Golden Girls, and they like to imitate the show for fun. But when did good-natured fun turn into life-threatening danger? Why do you emulate the Golden Girls? It's just the coolest thing there is. It's like witty elderly ladies living in out their retirement years together, and they have really strong friendships, but they're still in touch with their sexuality. They're just the coolest. Now, you actually had to go to the hospital once because you were imitating the Golden Girls. 
Yeah. One time I got really sick because uh, I stole my grandma's blood pressure, blood pressure medicine. Sorry, it choked me up. I started taking it, yeah. Because you wanted to be like Estelle Getty's character, Sophia. Yeah, I had to have my stomach pumped. But I would never do it again because I'm more into Rue McClanahan now, so. Ryan's injuries were minor, but Jamie Gruber wasn't so lucky. Mrs. Gruber, what happened to Jamie? I don't know. He was such a good kid. He just became obsessed with the Golden Girls. His schoolwork suffered. He started carrying a purse. He wouldn't go upstairs in our house anymore because he was always pretending it was a ranch house. And the way he started wearing his hair and clothes, I'd... I didn't even recognize him anymore. I recognized him. He looked exactly like Betty White. Him and his friends made these videotapes to send to B. Arthur. I think they thought she was going to put them on the show. I don't... I tried to tell them that it was reruns. <laughs> this is the home video Jamie made with his friends the day of the accident. Girls, I had a wonderful time tonight on my date with Tom. He's a retired pipe fitter. Oh, yeah? How does pipe fit? Ma. Back in St. Olaf, we had terrible plumbing. I remember one winter old Sven Gunderson tried to take a shower and he was frozen into a solid block of ice. Did he die? I don't know, but he looked beautiful in the St. Jorgen's Day Punch Bowl. <laughs> Dude, he's choking! Arthur, you were one of the stars of the Golden Girls series. Yes. How do you feel when you see that video of Jamie Gruber? I think it's shocking. It's disheartening. It's terrifying. And it's a little bit erotic. Would you ever consider putting a disclaimer on the beginning of your show saying, Warning, these are trained professionals. Please do not try this at home. No. How about a warning that says children under 18 should not wear caftans? Listen, the only warning I have to offer is stay away from Stanley Zabornak. He's a lousy two-timer with a $10 toupee. That's from the show. I know. Listen, bottom line, if something goes wrong with these kids, I think it's the parents' fault. But try telling that to Wayne and Barbara Jo Group. She said that. Really. Well, I'll tell you something. Her attitude is reckless and irresponsible. And the fact that the Golden Girls are still on Lifetime six times a day sickens me as a parent. It sickens me. Honey, don't. <laughs> Young Jamie Gruber is still unconscious in his Pennsylvania hospital. But last week, his classmates paid him a tribute at his school spring annual awards assembly. A tribute Jamie would have loved. Thank you for being friends. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you do party, inviting everyone you know. Thank you for being a friend. Come on, thank you. Thank you for being a friend. Come on, thank you. Thank you for being a friend. Come on, thank you. Thank you for being a friend. Come on, thank you. Thank you for being a friend. Come on, thank you. Thank you for being a friend.
Meeting adjourned.